Hello and welcome to What The Bump. My name is Jennifer. I am a labor and delivery nurse who oddly enough has no kids, yet a huge passion for informing and empowering women on all of their options surrounding their pregnancy. Join me every week as we dive in to all things prenatal, postnatal, birth, and so much more. So let's jump into today's episode. So super ironic, but as you guys just heard in my intro, I said who ironically enough has no kids. And crazy thing, I have a fun announcement. We are expecting a baby and it's crazy to say it's crazy to think about but I am currently about six weeks pregnant so still very early by the time that I actually air this podcast I'm gonna record little bits and pieces from every week and then put it all into one big podcast and probably air it as my announcement but when you guys hear this I will probably be much much further along so the plans for this episode have clearly changed. As I said, um, when this airs, I will be much further along and that is not true. I actually ended up miscarrying my baby at about nine weeks and two days. So it's very heartbreaking and um, we haven't had too much time to cope with it as you know, my surgery was only about a week ago, but I it, it helps me to talk about it, to process it. So I'm gonna share my miscarriage story with you guys um, starting from the top and I recorded some bits and pieces throughout the nine weeks I was pregnant and with ultrasound updates and stuff but honestly I'm just going to go from the top and share them now after what we've gone through and kind of take you guys through my entire story. So I wanted to start off by telling you guys a little bit about me and my husband and just start from square one of all of this because I really don't think I've ever talked about that before. So my husband's name is Ashton. We met in October of 2017 and by July of 2018, we were married. So it was very quick. We met and were married in less than a year. It was kind of one of those scenarios where we just instantly knew and the rest was kind of history. We made things happen and um, we've it's been the best journey of our entire lives. I was 20 years old when I got married. So I'm currently, yes, only 22. And the month before our wedding, we visited Charlotte, North Carolina. We absolutely loved it. My husband had traveled here as a child. He fell in love with Charlotte. We ended up coming down here before our wedding. We signed a lease for an apartment and we both got jobs all in one weekend. And our lease and our jobs were all set to start right after our wedding. So we had our stuff moved down the week before our wedding and we got married. And then the morning after our wedding, we had a goodbye brunch and we drove down to Charlotte, North Carolina. We really just wanted to escape the weather back home and we wanted to kind of start new start fresh we didn't have family down here we didn't have friends down here but we were up for the journey and we thought if there's any time to do it then the time would be now so I had just graduated nursing school I got a job at the ER in downtown Charlotte working for Novant Health and my husband he was a personal trainer so he just kind of transferred his training business down to Charlotte Now, we did get married young and quick, and I guess you could say I wanted kids pretty quickly, but we really didn't have plan on having kids until like 2021. We wanted to give ourselves at least three years married without kids to adjust to, I guess, kind of have fun to travel um, and just really get used to being married because we did not live together at all before we were married. And so we knew it would be a big adjustment for us, and we just wanted to give ourselves time. And during all of this, I suffered from athletic amenorrhea. Amenorrhea is the lack of a menstrual cycle and there's different reasons you have it and everything like that but mine was specifically athletic amenorrhea so for four years I suffered from this it means I did not get a period I did not get a menstrual cycle for four years and mine was because of excessive exercise as well as under eating 
Now, before I got married, I still ended up getting an IUD. I got the copper non-hormonal IUD. Even though I wasn't ovulating or really getting a period, I just thought I might as well get it before I get married. I had the IUD for about six months and then I ended up getting it removed because I absolutely hated it. Honestly, I read some studies online um, that just talked about like horror stories of it and it making people depressed and the copper becoming like people having really high copper levels in their blood that was checked. Um, and I just felt bloated all the time. I just, I, I just hated it. It never agreed with me. I know a lot of people, they hate it because it makes their periods heavy and painful. That was never the case with me because like I said, I had amenorrhea, so I never even got a period with it. It just didn't make me feel good. So I got it removed and we just decided to use some good old protection and the pullout method, some natural family planning and I wasn't still wasn't ovulating so I just didn't really care I knew eventually I would get my period back because I was on the path to healing myself from my eating disorder um so I knew eventually I'd get it back and this method that we were using would probably fail but I wasn't having a cycle at the time so I really didn't worry about it and that was all the end of 2018 so by the end of 2019 about a year later I had mainly recovered from my eating disorder. I had gained back all the weight I lost. I was at a really healthy weight. I still am. I strength train. Um, I don't really do any distance running. And I was eating so much more than I was when I had the amenorrhea. And I kind of pulled my body out of that starvation mode. And I got my period back. And I was very happy. It was the best day ever. I had prayed and prayed for my period to return as I was doing everything in my power to heal myself and my body because I knew eventually within the next couple years we'd want kids. And I didn't know how long it would take my body to adjust. So I was really happy that I kind of got it back fast. Um, it was a little bit irregular at first. It came most months. I skipped a few months here and there, but eventually it kind of regulated itself. And it was my period has always been slightly irregular, but it really did start to regulate itself. So for most of 2019 and the beginning of 2020, I had my cycle. We used protection and pulled out and I never got pregnant. So come April of 2020, April 8th specifically, I was three days late on my period and I was irregular so I didn't worry too much. The only thing that truly made me worry is that my boobs killed. They hurt so bad. They looked, I know it's crazy because I was only... I, who knows how much how long I was even pregnant for at this point but my boobs were killing me they looked huge I was really tired and I just knew I'm very in tune with my body so I knew something was off I took a pregnancy test I was three days late I thought if it if I'm pregnant it will for sure show up because I'm three days late and I took one and it was a cheap pack I got off Amazon and I let it sit and the control line came up and nothing else came up on it so you're supposed to wait five minutes with them and I definitely did not wait five minutes I waited probably two minutes max but the control line was there so I thought it's negative whatever threw it away so come April 12th 2020 so four days after I took that one it was negative it was Easter April 12th and I took another one of the cheap Amazon tests because now I was a week late and my boobs really hurt and I was told my husband I said if that test wasn't negative a couple days ago I would so wear on everything I was pregnant so I took the test I sat it on the back of my toilet and I actually ended up running to the grocery store completely forgot about the test sitting there I came home I went pee and I saw the test sitting on the back of my toilet and I grabbed it just to throw it away. And I happened to notice that it was positive and I freaked out. I was like, no, it must just be an evaporation line. It sat out for like an hour and a half while I went to the grocery store. It's fake. Like it's not right. So I ran to the store down the road and I bought more expensive, like legit tests, like the first response pink dye ones. And I bought an electronic one. I bought like every kind they sold. And 
I came home and I took them and they were definitely positive. It was a faint, faint line, which I thought was really odd being a whole week late. I thought when you're a whole week late, like that line should bang out a positive right away. And it was so faint, like so faint. It looked like I'd taken it before I even got or before I even missed my period, that's how faint it was. So I ended up telling my husband because it's definitely positive and we cried and we celebrated and we were scared and we were completely in shock. It was a total surprise to us. I always joke with him that I want a baby, but I never truly meant it or planned for it. And then it happened. We did not tell anybody. We told our two best friends and my sister and that was it. We only told them because I hadn't been to the OB and my first appointment wasn't going to be for about like a week and a half from then because being a week late at my period, it put me at like five and a half weeks, I think it said, pregnant. That was based on my last menstrual period. So on April 23rd, I had my first OBGYN appointment and based on my last menstrual cycle, I should have been seven weeks at that appointment. So I had my first ultrasound. And I only measured, I think, about five weeks and three days. So almost two entire weeks off from what my period estimated it to me. And it was an empty gestational sac. That's all that we saw. And it scared the heck out of me because I thought at seven weeks, I'll go in, I'll see the baby, I'll see the heartbeat, and it'll be great. And I went in and I measured five weeks and we saw an empty sac. So it was terrible. They... They did diagnose me a threatened miscarriage at that point. However, my midwife was not concerned. She, she thought, you know, your periods have always been irregular. You probably just ovulated a week and a half, two weeks late and everything's fine. You're just really only five weeks and that's why, you know, you're measuring so far behind. So she really tried to calm my nerves. We ended up just drawing HCG levels because I was very curious and I wanted to know. So I had them drawn that day and then I think about either one or two days after and they had almost tripled. So that was a great sign. My numbers were just skyrocketing up. I think I was about at 12,000 after my second draw and they really weren't concerned they just figured I ovulated late and they said we'll come back in a week we'll re-ultrasound you and make sure things are growing as they should be so on April 29th a week later I had my repeat ultrasound and that showed the same gestational sac however this time it was not empty it had a yolk sac in it and you could see what looked like the start of the fetal pole and I was measuring about six weeks and two days so that was almost completely on track with my last scan and we weren't concerned. Nobody expressed concern. Um, they said, you know, we'll see you back in two weeks. Hopefully then you'll be measuring at eight weeks and we'll see the baby. We'll see the heartbeat and we'll just chalk it up to you all, you ovulating late. So on May 13th, I went back for my eight week ultrasound. I think I was like eight weeks in one day and I got to see the baby. The heart rate was there. It was perfect. I'll never forget the flicker on the screen. Um, it's heart rate was 167, which was great. And I should have been about eight weeks in one day and I was measuring seven weeks in three days. So these were all huge red flags that I think should have drawn more attention to my providers and to me um, because I was two weeks late at my first appointment based on my last period. And then at this eight week appointment, I measured about five more days late. So it almost put me at three weeks behind what I should have been. And I don't know necessarily how it works, but I feel like three weeks measuring off measuring three weeks late should have been a sign that something was not growing right with the baby however because there was a heartbeat and everything my midwife said you know I think everything's fine the heart rate's strong the baby is growing so I'm not too concerned sometimes the scans I mean we're measuring millimeters it's such a tiny amount that we're trying to measure so it's normal for it to be a couple days off and I felt so relieved my husband never got to come to any of these appointments. He drove me to every single one, but because of COVID, he had to wait in the car and I got to FaceTime him. He got to see the baby's heartbeat and we just felt so relieved. We felt like we were kind of in the safe zone because, you know, they tell you up to 50% of 
pregnancies end in miscarriage, but after the eight-week appointment where you see the baby's heartbeat, they say that it's 0.5 to 1% that end in miscarriage. And I feel like after doing my own research and hearing other people's stories, that cannot be true. But we really thought we were safe, so we ended up telling our family and... I actually have a video um, of us talking about our miscarriage and showing all the clips of us telling our family. If you guys want to look us up on YouTube, it's The Baylors, just V and then B-A-A-L-A-E-R-S. And you'll see that video on our YouTube of us sharing it with our family and all that good stuff. But we were really happy. We were really excited. And it felt finally more real to us actually seeing the baby and seeing the heartbeat. So we just kind of let it go. My next appointment wasn't going to be until I was 12 weeks, which was four weeks from then. And I didn't, I wasn't too worried about it. Um, I figured I'm eight weeks by now. I can probably Doppler myself and I am a labor and delivery nurse. So I'll just Doppler myself at work every once in a while if I get worried. And that's exactly what I did on May 20th. So only a week after that eight week appointment where I had saw my baby and heard the heartbeat, um, I was like, I don't know, nine weeks, nine weeks in one day. Um, I was at, in Charleston, South Carolina for the weekend at the beach with my husband and I was feeling great. I, I honestly felt too good. Like I just felt too good. And working as a labor and delivery nurse, I had access to ultrasounds and Dopplers and I was at work on May 20th. And I just had this feeling in my heart for like two days. It was just an unsettling feeling. I kept thinking to myself, something's wrong. Something's wrong. I feel too good. And I said, I kept, I honestly, I thought, I know the baby's heartbeat's gone. And I don't know why I thought that, but I couldn't get it out of my head. Like all night at work, I was like, I know the baby's heartbeat's gone. And I couldn't describe anything except for that. I knew, I knew my baby was gone. So I didn't have any cramping. I didn't have any bleeding. I didn't have any spotting. I had a feeling in my heart and, um, maybe it was my hormones decreasing and I just subconsciously noticed it, but I ultrasounded myself at work and um, I just did it myself and um, our machine's a little bit older it's kind of crappy but it's good enough and um, I couldn't see the heartbeat I couldn't see the flicker like I had seen before at the ultrasound at the office and I played it cool I just said you know it's no big deal I'm sure our machine's just old and I dopplered myself um, right where I found the baby with the ultrasound and at nine weeks I'm a smaller person. I should have been able to find it and I could not. And I was right over where I saw that baby at the ultrasound. Like I knew I was right over the baby and I should have been able to find the heartbeat and I could not. So I definitely, I think I knew, I, I just knew, I knew and I played it off cool. I went about finishing work. I actually delivered my patient and I went home and I, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know if I should call the office. I didn't know what I should do, but I knew that I needed to find out. I couldn't wait. I needed to find out. So I actually worked night shift. I got off that morning. I went to bed for like four hours and then I woke up at noon and I didn't want to call my OB and say, Hey, I need to come in because I ultrasounded myself at work and I couldn't see what I was looking for. And I just kind of feel fun. Like I just feel off. Um, I didn't want to call her and say that because I didn't want everything to be fine and them to be like, Oh my gosh, like you're, you're just overreacting. So there's actually a little ultrasound clinic right by my house. And they like, you can go in and like hear the baby's heartbeat or get three, 3d ultrasound pictures, all those things. Like, it's just a little like third party, like on her own clinic thing that she does. I don't know. But I called her and I said, hi, um, I just want to hear my baby's heartbeat. Do you have any appointments today? And she said, yeah, I can see you at four o'clock. So I went in at four o'clock and she put the ultrasound on me. And the minute she did it, the picture was so clear. I instantly knew. I never told her I was a nurse and never told her that I, I had a feeling. I just said, I just want to hear my baby's heartbeat because I just didn't, I just, I just needed to know right then. I couldn't wait. 
she scrambled around on my stomach for a couple of minutes probably like two minutes but it felt like two hours and she looked right up at me and she said I need you to leave here right now and I need you to go straight to your doctor and that's all she said and I just shook my head I said okay and I just knew exactly what she meant I knew that she couldn't find the heartbeat I saw her try to apply color to the image and it was just lighting up my arteries on each side of the baby but nothing was lighting up on the baby and I know how to read an ultrasound I knew so I was numb from head to toe I ran out to my car I called my husband I was screaming I was crying he begged me to pull over and let him come and pick me up but I just needed to get home I was only a couple of minutes from my house so I called my doctor who was, um, thank goodness, actually on call at the hospital that night and the next day. I told her what had happened. I told her I went to an ultrasound clinic. I told her I ultrasounded myself at work. I told her, please don't kill me, but I just knew and I needed to know. And um, she told me what my options were. Where She never saw an ultrasound with me. She did ultrasound me before surgery, but um, she just, she believed me and she trusted me. She said what my options were and I, I, I chose a D&E. Um, I could not take Cytotec at home. It's a pill that they give you to honestly kind of induce your body uh, to to miscarry I had what was called a missed miscarriage which is where you never know until honestly we probably wouldn't have found it till my 12-week appointment had I not looked into it myself um, but I chose to have a DNE, and I the thought of passing my baby at home I and going through the bleeding and the pain and the cramping I just I couldn't do it and the thought of waiting for my body to do it naturally could take weeks and I also couldn't fathom that so she got me in on her schedule the next morning at 11 a.m and I went to the hospital she ultrasounded me at the bedside before we went into the OR and she confirmed um that the baby did not have a heartbeat and on May 22nd, I had my d &E. My husband got to come, um, which was great, even with coronavirus, and it was very quick. I did go under general anesthesia. The surgeon only took her like 20 minutes. I woke up about half an hour after I got out of the OR. Um, I woke up and I just cried and cried and cried and <laughs> cried for days. Yeah, that's honestly my entire story from start to finish. That is what happened with our baby, what happened with our miscarriage, and it's sad. It breaks my heart that it was so short and I have looked forward to being pregnant my entire life. I've dreamed about the day I would get a positive pregnancy test my entire life and it breaks my heart that it happened so quickly and ended so quickly. Um, but I know and I, I, I'm very hopeful that in the future I'll be able to carry a baby and I think there's something especially traumatic and painful not to discredit people who have miscarriages on their second, third, fourth pregnancies but there's something specifically painful about it being your first pregnancy because you're left with this feeling of what if my body can never do it because I've never had a baby before and I don't know if I have infertility issues I don't know if I'll ever be able to carry a baby and now having your first baby be a miscarriage really leaves you with a lot of doubt and I just want to tell anybody who has gone through this especially with the first baby that you have to remain hopeful you don't know until you try and miscarriages are so common and it's heartbreaking and that doesn't make it any less painful but you have to remain hopeful. You have to keep on moving on and try again when your time is right, when you feel emotionally and physically ready to. Just know that this is something that my doctors told me and so many people have said to me and they've said, God does not make mistakes. God does not make mistakes. This was something that was not absolutely perfect and it just, God just doesn't make mistakes. And, you know, even hearing that, that there's something that wasn't perfect it, it did upset me at first like well what do you mean like this was my baby my pregnancy like everything should have been perfect like God should have made everything perfect but you have to sit in the comfort of knowing that God will use every 
tragic thing that we go through in our lives for something better. He will never waste your pain. He will never waste your heartache. He will never waste your hurt. He will always use it to help somebody else down the road. And you might never be able to realize why you went through this here on earth. But one day in heaven, you will understand and you will get to hold your little baby. And that's the promise that I'm claiming in the name of Jesus, that one day I will get to heaven and my baby will be there and I will get to hold it and see its face. And until then, I'll just imagine who they would have been down here and I will never forget. And it's going to make me even a better mom one day when I do have babies and carry a pregnancy and yeah it might make me anxious as hell in the beginning and it might be a complete mess my entire first trimester and literally until the day I deliver but that's okay and our the trauma and the pain that we feel is just it's overwhelming and it can be so isolating but there are so many people who have gone through it and I never want to say that I'm glad I went through this because I'm not glad. I would never wish this upon anybody, especially myself and my own family. But I will say being a labor and delivery nurse and wanting to be a midwife here in the soon future, I'm going to have to counsel and help so many women through the same thing. And I'm going to be able to look them in the eyes and tell them, I know exactly what you're going through. I will never belittle it. I will never discredit it. I will never treat it like a medical condition and tell them their options as if they're just another statistic. I will always treat it knowing that they lost a baby they lost one of their children just going through this has made me so much more sympathetic for that and being able to hold someone's hand and walk along them and tell them that i have been there and that i've gone through it and i know that they will like i said god will always use these things that you go through in some way to help somebody else because he will not waste things like this and my husband my family and Everybody has been so wonderful and so supportive and my husband has just been my solid rock. He's held me while I cried for hours and just been so strong for me because I could not be strong for myself. And I also did want to add in really quickly, um, I didn't announce my pregnancy ever. We told our family and that was it. And I truly regret it. I read a post on Instagram from a woman um, and she talked about how we're just told that there's this unwritten rule that we have to wait to tell that we're pregnant. We have to wait until we're at least 12 weeks to announce that we're pregnant because we need to be in the safe zone. And there's just never a safe zone. There there just isn't. Like it sucks, but you never know when you're safe. Some people miscarry at six weeks. Some people miscarry at nine weeks. Some people miscarry at 20 weeks. Some people miscarry at 36 weeks. And it's all the same. It's all completely tragic and it's the worst thing you could ever go through in your life. But we're told that we need to wait to tell people and I just feel like personally, I really regret doing that. I feel like I missed out on the chance to celebrate my baby and we did end up announcing our miscarriage and I feel like I missed out on the chance to celebrate my baby and I only got to mourn my baby. And I don't know. I just, I, I know some people, it might make you feel better to wait and that might serve you to wait to tell people. But if it doesn't, just don't feel like you have to wait until you're 12 weeks in some made up safe zone to tell people that you're pregnant. If you want to tell people you're pregnant the day you get a positive pregnancy test because you're happy and you're overjoyed and you want, you would rather celebrate your baby now, no matter what is going to happen with your pregnancy, go ahead and do it. You don't have to wait. And from now on, I will not be waiting to celebrate my baby. I will never do that again. And that's okay. So thank you guys for listening to this podcast and my entire miscarriage story. I know that for me, talking about it really helps me to process everything that I've been through and it just, it might not work for a lot of people, but for me, talking about it makes me stronger. It reminds me to have hope and to be hopeful for the future of 
what's to come with me and my husband and our family because I know one day even though we did have our first baby miscarry I know that one day we will have beautiful babies and I know that God will provide and I just want to remain hopeful and I really want to encourage you to do the same to just hold on to the fact that God doesn't make mistakes and he does not waste hurtful painful experiences like this and if you ever have a story that you want to tell anything surrounding pregnancy labor delivery miscarriage birth anything like that I would love to hear from you I have done I think only two interviews on this podcast and I would love to have more of you guys on it who listen if you have anything at all to share surrounding any of those topics please 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 email me my email is what the bump podcast at gmail.com again that's what the bump podcast at gmail.com so shoot me over an email tell me your name we can jump on a call and chat really quick and set a time to get you on the podcast but I would love to hear from more of you guys telling any story that you want to tell I just created this podcast to connect and obviously to share information and educational material and value to other people but I also created it to connect and especially after going through some miscarriage I just I just want to help other women who have gone through one as well. And especially right now, I need the help. I need the help from other women who have gone through it and have gotten through it. So please don't hesitate to reach out to me. I would love to hear from you. And I really thank you guys for listening to this podcast. Thank you for tuning into today's episode. I really hope you enjoyed it. And I will see you next week to talk more about The Bump. And of course, I know you all probably know this, but I have to add it in. I make every effort to broadcast correct information through this podcast, but I am still learning so much. So I am in no way providing medical advice through this podcast, just sharing the things that myself and others have experienced or learned. Make sure to consult your physician before taking anything from this podcast and changing your health. This applies to any guests or contributors that I also have on this podcast.